thank you, Father, for being a God who never changes, a sure foundation for our lives. Father, I pray that you've received the worship we've offered to you this morning. And as we turn our attention to the written word, I pray that you'd continue to speak to us through it by your Holy Spirit. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go ahead and take your seat and turn with me to Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 19 is where we will be this morning. And we've spent the past couple of weeks talking about this idea of how God has entrusted us with so many blessings and gifts and how we have been called to use those gifts that we receive from God for the glory of God. And and I think you saw a really good example of how that is practiced here this morning as we have seen these, these young families and these children who've been uh, gifted back to God for God's glory, the greatest gifts from God that had been entrusted to us. And, and those parents who made commitments were saying, look, we realize that God's given us this gift, but we want to uh, use this gift of God for the glory of God. And, and amazingly, one of the best examples in Scripture that we have of someone who did an excellent job at using the gifts from God for the glory of God was of all people an IRS agent, (laughs) a tax collector. His name was Zacchaeus. That's why I've titled the sermon some big lessons from a little man because he shows us what it means to really do well with what God has entrusted to us. Now, I know that we have worship through our singing, and and I know that we've already done that. I'm certainly not going to ask Kenneth to come do this. I thought I'd just do it for free today. But to kind of set the stage and and to kind of get us into the sermon... If you grew up in church, you probably heard a little song. If you didn't grow up in church, I know many of you didn't, and, and maybe if you're not, if you didn't grow up in the American church, and man, God's blessed us in recent weeks by bringing us people from all of the countries to worship with us, and we're thankful that God's done that. And, and you may not have been through this, but it's really easy, and I want you to help me, okay? It's really, in fact, the lyrics on your screen, it goes something like this, Zacchaeus was A wee little man, and a wee little man was he. What do you do? He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord. He won't. Y'all been to VBSC. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. What did he say? And he said, Zacchaeus. You come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Man, balcony, y'all got some work to do. Nobody else, everybody back and he's doing this. It is significant to me as that kind of gets us in the mindset of Zacchaeus, and, and I bet you can go home and say no other pastor in Santa Rosa County sings Zacchaeus was a wee little man on Mother's Day. Uh, it, it's significant that 
Jesus had this encounter with Zacchaeus right after he had an encounter with a rich young ruler that we looked at last week. In that encounter, the rich young ruler walked away from Jesus because he could not let go of his possessions. And as he walked away from Jesus, Jesus looked at his disciples and Jesus said, it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven. And his disciples said, well, my goodness, then who can be saved? And Jesus said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. The encounter, watch this, the encounter that Jesus had with Zacchaeus is the answer to the dilemma Jesus presented after the encounter with the rich young ruler. For you see, in Zacchaeus, we have another rich young ruler, but this rich young ruler, instead of walking away from Jesus, decided to follow Jesus with Zacchaeus we see what it looks like for the camel to go through the eye of the needle. We see how God saves the impossible. Luke chapter 19 tells us, he entered Jericho, this is Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see Jesus, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. <laughs> That's what it says to the Greek in verse 3. <laughs> so he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him. For he, Jesus, was about to pass his way. This will be one of the very few times I tell you not to answer a question out loud in church because I just want you to think about this for a second. Why does Zacchaeus climb the tree? The initial answer that we immediately think of was because he was a wee little man. He was short, so he climbed the tree so he could see but wait, just, just, just think with me for a moment. When someone is short, you don't mind if they stand in front of you because they are not going to get in the way of what you're trying to see. If someone is shorter than you, you don't care if they plop in front of you because they're not going to disrupt your line of sight. However, the crowd still does not let Zacchaeus in, even though he will not impact their ability to see Jesus. Zacchaeus climbs this tree because no one will let him through the line. They are all locked up in front, and they're not going to let Zacchaeus through the line, even though his presence isn't going to impede the ability for others to see Jesus. The people don't let him to the front because they don't like him. They despise him. Did you see that our text called him a tax collector? That's why he worked for them. How many of you right now are fans of the IRS? <laughs> 
He was a tax collector and the people, apologies if you're here and work for the IRS, I promise you I'm paid up. But what happened in this context, and what would happen in their context, is the Romans would come into a a region, they would take over the region, they would conquer the people, and then they would impose taxes on the people just to get rich off of them. Well, what the Romans figured out is when they would go into a country to tax the people, that uh, the people of the country they were taxing, they had a way of, of knowing how not to report all the tips and the wages. They had a way to know how to hide some money here and there. So the Roman government said, hey, you know what? Let's find insider people. Let's find people who belong to the nations that we're trying to tax, and let's hire them as the tax collectors. They will know how the money is hidden. They'll know how people try to get around this. And so they would go to the local people of the same nations they were trying to overpower, and they would say, hey, Here's the deal. We will employ you to be a tax collector. You must tax the people at least 40%. That's what we get. But if you want to tax them 80%, you can pocket the other 40. And that's just what Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus, as a tax collector, not just a tax collector, but the chief, did you notice that? It said he's the chief tax collector. In the city of Jericho, the richest city in Israel at the time. So Zacchaeus is a man whose pockets are full of money. But if you were a tax collector in that day, money was so important to you that you were willing to sacrifice everything to get it. Your country, your integrity, your family, your friends, everything. And Zacchaeus was this wee little man, but he had a lot of money in his wee little pockets as the chief tax collector in Jericho. This guy is loaded, but he is despised to the point that people won't even let him through the line to be to see Jesus. So, being short of options, he decided to branch out. <laughs> verse verse 5. <laughs> Quickly verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Someone said one time that Zacchaeus came down the sycamore tree so fast it's been slick ever since. In that culture, Jesus says, come and eat. In that culture, to eat with someone, to go into their home, to share a meal was a sign of intimate fellowship and friendship. It meant that you were accepting them. But did you notice, did you notice that Jesus chose to eat with Zacchaeus while Zacchaeus was still a cheating, practicing tax collector? Not one, he didn't wait till he got cleaned up. He went to his house right then, which explains the response that we see in verse 7. And when they, and among the theys were the church folk, the religious people. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into the 
to be and to be the guest of a man who was, is a sinner. The people thought that a holy person who represented God, if he had anything at all to say to Zacchaeus, would have told him, look, go clean up your life, and then when you get your life cleaned up, when you've made sufficient amends, then come back and I will eat with you. Jesus, however, enters the home of Zacchaeus before he changes. And my friends, this is the heart of of the gospel. Salvation is what causes the change in our lives. Every other religion, study them all, every other religion in the world would have said to Zacchaeus and says to people today, if you want to have a relationship with God, go get yourself cleaned up first, then you can find salvation. Jesus, however, reversed the chronology of that, and Jesus said that salvation occurs and in being saved in response to being saved you change and man did Zacchaeus change verse 8 and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord behold Lord the half of my goods I give to the poor and if I have defrauded anything of any any one of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jewish law said if you stole from someone, you gave them back what you stole plus 20%. Zacchaeus, however, does a fourfold return as well as giving half of his possessions to the poor. Nothing required him to do that. He did it voluntarily. You see, it's not just the behavior of Zacchaeus that has changed. It's the heart of Zacchaeus that has changed. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost real quick, real briefly. And by real quick, I mean maybe. Three things. Three big lessons from this little man. Number one is this. A full wallet doesn't make for a full life. A full wallet does not make for a full life. Zacchaeus came to the realization that money was not the answer to what was missing from his life. Something drove this wee little man to climb up a tree and to catch a glimpse of Jesus. There he was, think about it, there he was, the chief tax collector in the richest city of Israel, the man who has probably achieved all of his dreams. He's got all that he needs in his mind anyway. He's rolling in the money up there in a tree to see a man he had heard could do something that his money apparently could not do. I find it ironic that the guy on the $100 bill said this about money. Benjamin Franklin said, money has never made man happy, nor will it. There is nothing in its nature to produce happiness. Look, the more of it one has, the more one wants. Well, I can do you better than Benjamin Franklin. We can see what Solomon had to say about it. Proverbs 13, 25, Solomon said, An appetite for good things brings much satisfaction, but the belly of the wicked always wants more. 
He said this in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. He who loves money. This is Bible. Okay, look at this verse. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor will he who loves his wealth be, be satisfied with his income. This also is vanity. Maybe, maybe you've had a similar experience as Zacchaeus. Man, you have given your life to pursue some goal and you have reached it or you're in the process of reaching it, but you still feel empty. If that's you this morning, might it be time for you to recognize that what you've given your life to pursue may not deliver what you thought it would? Because a full wallet doesn't lead to a full life. You see, Zacchaeus had an encounter with the grace of Jesus. In Jesus, he found someone who cared enough about him to invite him to lunch when no one else would. He found someone, Jesus, who had no need for him, but who wanted a relationship with him. That encounter with the goodness and the grace of God, it broke the hold that money had over the life of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had lived his entire adult life under the power of money, but he found a greater treasure in Jesus than he ever experienced with a full wallet. A full wallet doesn't make a full life. Only Jesus can fill our lives. Number two, second lesson, there are three. Number two, an experience with God's grace will always impact your generosity. I mentioned earlier how Zacchaeus went beyond what the Jewish law required. Instead of just 20%, he paid back fourfold. But it also says that he gave 50% of his possessions to the poor. This man took half of what he had and gave it to the poor. That was a mark of generosity. Instead of going 20%, he went four times, fourfold. That's a mark of generosity. He didn't do that because he had to. He did that because he had an experience with the grace of God, and it compelled him to be generous. Yes, he was concerned about justice. If I have defrauded anyone, but he moved beyond justice and became a person of mercy and grace. I want to make a statement that may not get me in your hall of fame, but that's okay. But it's one I want you to think about and gnaw on for a little bit in your spirit. One of the easiest and surest ways to tell if grace has changed your life is to see if grace is coming from your life. If you want to know if you've received grace, one of the easiest signs of that is that if you've received it, you're also going to give it. You're going to extend it. In fact, I would go so far to make this statement. If generosity, if mercy, if grace, 
if those things don't characterize your life, if all you do is insist on what you think God and others owe you, you may need to reevaluate your relationship with God. What does your generosity say about your experience with God's grace. Now, why would I say that? Why would I say that an experience with God's grace will impact your generosity? Because of something Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. He said, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. <clears throat> if God is our Father, if we are His children, we will seek to imitate Him. His desire is to cause us to reflect His glory, to reflect His nature, to reflect His character in the world today. Therefore, God is generous, so his people should be generous. God is gracious, so his people should be gracious. God is merciful, so his people should be full of mercy. God blesses others, so his people should bless others, not burden others. May our generosity, may our giving, and may our interactions with other people be a testimony that we have experienced the grace and goodness of God. Lesson three. If you will allow Jesus to be your Lord today, he will exchange your sin for his salvation. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The most important lesson and the greatest gift that God offers is salvation from our sins. You see, <laughs> Zacchaeus did not fully understand what Jesus was about to do for him. Watch. In just a couple of chapters, Jesus is going to climb up into a tree seeking Zacchaeus. But Jesus wasn't climbing a sycamore tree just to be able to get a better view of Zacchaeus. Jesus was going to climb up upon a cross to take Zacchaeus' place and to die for Zacchaeus' sins. Jesus climbed up into a tree so that he, he could take the place of Zacchaeus and offer him fellowship instead of abandonment. Jesus experienced the shame so that uh, Zacchaeus could experience acceptance. Jesus told Zacchaeus to come down from that tree of shame so he could climb up into a tree of shame. And when that happened, and when Zacchaeus saw that and experienced just a bit of it, it changed him. And guess what? You and I are like Zacchaeus. He was too short to see Jesus, so he had to try to climb a tree to get to him. We too are too short to see God. For all have sinned and fallen, what? short of the glory of God. So God climbed a tree 
to get to us. That tree, however, wasn't a beautiful sycamore tree on the road to Jerusalem. It was a bloody cross on a mountain called Calvary. Verse 6 tells us, as Zacchaeus came down that tree and received him joyfully, will you humble yourself and receive him today? This little man teaches us some big lessons. In fact, I just want you to, right where you are, just to bow your head, right where you are. We're going to wrap up. But I just want to ask you a couple of questions related to the lessons that this little man teaches us. I'm not going to ask you to stick your hand in the air or raise, or raise your head or anything else. I'm just going to, I want you to, to bow your head, close your eyes so that you block out all distractions. And I just want you to listen to these questions and ponder them. You're looking for something to make your life feel full and complete. If it's not Jesus, it's something else, but that something else won't satisfy. Will you seek to fill your life with Jesus? The only person who can satisfy your soul. Does your level of generosity reveal that you've experienced God's grace? You've been entrusted. Every good gift in your life is from above, given to you by the grace of God. Are you being generous like your Father in heaven? Or maybe today your greatest need is to have a relationship with this God, this Jesus, who climbed a cross and offered a sacrifice for your sins. In just a second, I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to stand and sing. This is our time of commitment. If there's a commitment you need to make to Jesus, this is a wonderful time to make that commitment. If there's a question that you have about what it means to make Jesus Lord and Savior, I'll be glad to get you to someone today, before you leave today, who can help you understand what that means. Maybe you realize that the grace of God that you've received is not being extended through your generosity or through your mercy. And today you would repent of that. I don't know what God is placing on the table of your life today. I do know that he, whatever it is, he wants you to say yes. So after I pray and as we sing, this altar is open. If you want to use it, you want to pray in your pew, I don't care. You do business with God. You listen to God. And you submit yourself to God today. Father, I'm thankful that Jesus came into this world to climb a tree so we could have eternal life. And I thank you that that impact and experience that we have with his grace will impact our generosity and grace to others. Whatever you're calling us to do today, Father, may we simply say yes. In the good name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing?